Thanks, uh, Chuck and Taryn. Um, well, I guess I could say one from one kitchen to another. I mean, who thought we'd be doing this a year ago? It's a bit bizarre, but it's also been quite good fun, hasn't it, as well? Well, guys, this is the part of the service where we're going to be opening up uh, the Bible. And, you know, for a millennia or two, the Christian church has opened up this Bible with, uh, yeah, expectation. Uh, we want it to get under our skin. We want it to speak to us and challenge us and shape our lives and ultimately uh, help us to become more like Jesus. And that's why we read the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, go and grab it. If you've got it on your iPhone, your iPad, tablet, uh, bring it up to Philippians chapter 4. Um, 21 weeks, I think, it is that we've been going through the book of Philippians and uh, Chuck and Taron done an amazing job at taking us through that. And I think we've like squeezed the goodness out of it all, like a good uh, orange, you know, you're squeezing it out 21 weeks in, in, in a book. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear, you know, what's God said to you? You know, often we preach and we say some things and we hear snippets here and there that God's speaking, but often we don't often like, get proper feedback. So listen, if God has spoken to you or challenged you, why don't you email in to, the, to, to, to us at info at catalyst.vin. Uh, we'd love to know the feedback. You know, the Bible rarely you know, comes back empty. It nearly always produces uh, something in our lives. So please, we'd love to hear from you. So today I get the chance of wrapping up this series, which is a real privilege. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, and I hope I can do a good job on it. You know, it's the final remarks of the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church. And th these final remarks, as I've been reading them, really reflect the precious uh, partnership that Paul has with the church. But also um, there's a, it says something about the indomitable power of the gospel as well and he kind of leaves that with them this whole theme of partnership uh, what makes a great partnership what is a partnership in the gospel um, that's a huge kind of theme of this letter and i've been thinking about partnerships you know the whole malarkey partnership malarkey and uh, i was thinking about tv you know the holly uh, Willoughby's and Philip Schofield's and you know the synergy and the fun that they have or if you're a particular generation the Richard and Judy's um, or the other TV presenters you know uh, the Top Gear guys especially the new ones with Freddie Flintoff and and Chris and Paddy McGuinness it works really well uh, what about in the world of sport and business you know where coaches or managers and teams just have worked unbelievable at Lee well and they've gone way further than anyone would have thought you know like the, the the Leicester story the football you know the Leicester story was extraordinary wasn't it uh, Manchester United is a great example of that as well in the past maybe not so at the moment Liverpool obviously anyway um, but I was thinking about uh, in the marketing world Kanye West and Adidas they're doing their thing but the one I really love is Red Bull and GoPro I love that because what GoPro does is 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 it, it obviously the cameras if you didn't know but it puts you in the picture and it takes you to places 
um, and situations, crazy and extreme ones that you would never thought you'd be able to go. You know, where you've got men and women climbing up mountains and then throwing themselves off cliffs, you know, with their winged suits screaming across a Norwegian fjord at Mark II and, and it's all being recorded and it feels like you're right there with them and alongside them. It's a partnership that makes us present in the most unusual and risky and crazy places. I mean, from a personality standpoint, I love that kind of stuff. You might be thinking, what has that got to do with the closing comments that Paul has for the Philippians? Well, we're going to see that uh, this partnership has been unbelievably effective and it has taken the gospel to places and people that were in many ways beyond the boundaries. And uh, we're going to find out very quickly that there is no place and no people group or no person that's beyond the limits of Jesus's love and grace. And I think that's where he wants to land this uh, last few comments. So um, we're going to read chapter four. Um, verse uh, 20, uh, uh, 21. But before we do that, you'll notice um, often in the letters of Paul, his opening statements and his closing statements are very, very similar. They often reflect one another. And so this is what he says when he first wrote to the Philippians at the very beginning. He says, you know, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, that's who he's writing to. He says this, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's his opening statement. He's saying he's reminding them that who they are, they're saints, they're believers, they're part of God's family, they've been set apart. And then is that, 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 that blessing of God's of Jesus' peace and grace to be upon them because we all need that in our lives and in our relationships with one another and with God and be reminded of that. And then he says here in the final greetings, chapter 4, 21, he says, we greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings. There you go, we've got the greetings again. All the saints send your greetings, especially those who belong to the household of Caesar. And then this doxology, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And you can see the mirroring, can't you? The greetings, the saints, you know, and then this bit about the grace and the peace of God be with you and be with your spirit. But did you notice there was one line in there that just leaps out in the greetings? Seven words, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Their partnership, their partnership has taken the gospel to the very epicenter of power, to the very, the very household that holds the reins of the Roman world. They're partnering in support of Paul has put the message of forgiveness right into the heart of a system of power. And let's be honest, the perception, and rightly so, would have been one that for hundreds of years across the known world, oppression, subjugation, taxation. I mean, 
years and years of bloodshed and conquering would have poured out of that city, out of this household came a whole load of just horrible stuff. And now there are some in the household of Caesar who are now in the household of God. I mean, that is mind blowing. You see, Paul is wrapping up his, his letter. He's, he's finishing off his comments to this group of people, but it's almost like he's just slapped a greeting in there with a whacking great big wink and a nudge. You think it's finished, but guess what? It's only just beginning. I love that. The power of the gospel in the darkest place in their known world. There is no place, there is no person who is off limits. There is nobody beyond the reach of Jesus' grace and love. And that's what Paul's sort of encouraging his, his friends in Philippi. And you've played a part in that. How cool is that? And so these seven little words are seven words of encouragement to this amazing, faithful um, partnering community. They're really family and Paul uses family language, doesn't he? He constantly uses things like brothers and sisters and fathers in his letters because he's saying we're family and that this partnership isn't, it isn't a business partnership. We're, we're blood brought together by the love of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We're family. And, and the Philippians got that, they understood it, and they have backed him and supported him right from the word go through thick and thin. And their, you know, as Chuck talked about last week, their generosity, their financial generosity of supporting Paul and the things that he was involved in was extraordinary. I'm sure that Paul, you know, Every time he went and paid a, a ship fare or a donkey fare or I don't know, whatever, or put clothes on his own back and had food and resources in the back, maybe not even on the back of him, maybe at the, right at the forefront are his friends in Philippi who have helped supply his physical needs. What a reminder that they are with him. And actually that financial gifting in a way catapults that community right into Paul's presence, just like the GoPro would do. We are present with our partners when we give a gift of money, but it goes way more than that. Our, Jesus says, where our treasure is, our hearts will be also. You know, when you're family, when, these, when we really see our partners as brothers and sisters deeply connected to us, we're going to care about them. We're going to care about the things that they're doing. We care about the vision and what they're about. We care about not only the physical stuff, but also their spiritual stuff. And we want to be around all of that, don't we? We, we care for them. And when we care for them, we pray for them. I guarantee you, this partnership was way more than finance. Heart and skin was in the, the, the arena. Let's put it that way. I guarantee you the Philippians prayed for Paul. And I don't know how this works, but I, 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 there's some deep mystery when it comes to prayer, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. When we, when we over here, 
or praying for somebody over here. There is a dynamic that happens in God and by his Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, whilst we are praying and God is moving and things are happening and prayers are answered, it's like we here become present there. Prayer, a partnership of prayer makes us present with our, with our, with our partners, with, our, with the people that we love. I believe that this is such a great model, such a great partnership. I just heard last, uh, was it last week, um, I was on a Zoom call with the guys, uh, Kids Clubs Kampala, uh, Sam and the team. You know, it's amazing that we have these partners and we love and we want our partnerships to reflect something of what uh, Paul and the Philippians experience. You know, the money that we give to KCK goes a long way. I heard just last week, they've given away their over a million. They've given their millionth um, food package away. That is incredible, isn't it? And we played a tiny little role in that. You know, I've seen, uh, we've heard about the bikes that too many have been able to buy. It's a little thing, but it's, it's you know, it's going to mobilize um, the parish workers into areas that we can't get to, let alone they would struggle to get to, but now they can get there. Um, we heard from Janet, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago uh, at New Life Homes, again, just talking about, you know, being able to buy extra nappies and other things for the children in the home. I guarantee when they look at these things, they think of catalyst and they also give glory to God. We become present in these moments with our partners. And we wanna foster not just um, the finances and the prayer, but also the friendship as well. You know, uh, whenever, often I talk with Leslie and Shanti, they often say, it's so good to know we have Scottish family because that's how they see it and when you're family there is resources to be shared there is tears and and joy to be shared there is prayer and supplication and intercession to be had this is the model I think that Paul is getting at and so what it would have been an incredible encouragement for the Philippians to hear that wow people in Caesar's household are coming to faith and we've played a little, little role in that. I don't know about you, but I, I get I get so excited when I hear the reports of what is going on with not only our mission partners, but actually the mission partners that we have through the vineyard. I'm getting to know a number of those. And just recently I was speaking to a pastor in in India who had been serving the most impoverished community, the lowest of the low, you know, and they were taking food out to this particular area. And she just simply said, listen, we've had a couple of moments recently where we took out, I don't know, something like 30, 40 kilos of rice. And as we were pouring it out, it just kept on going. She was gobsmacked. Um, that's like something out of Elijah or Jesus feeding the 5,000. I mean, that doesn't happen, does it? Well, I think it might have just happened. And she's just saying, I think God's opening a door of ministry to this people group. You know, through the vineyard, 
we are partnering and beginning to look at how to partner with these churches in a more effective way. We could be a part of that stuff. How exciting is that? And then other countries that we, people in other countries and closed uh, countries that are hostile to the Christian faith, we're hearing about how children uh, and family workers are bringing whole households to Jesus at great cost. That's an amazing, amazing partnership that we in the vineyard want to be around a little bit more. And so there were seven words would have encouraged the Philippian church massively. But also those seven words point towards just a, a potentially different world. Yeah, I mean, of what is actually possible. What God is doing in Rome is off the charts and would have blown people's minds. You know, you could imagine as the elders or whoever it was, was reading out this letter, people would have been like, no, no way, really? The household of Caesar? You mean there could be relatives of Nero coming to faith? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as a society, an empire? You see, it's in Jesus' DNA to go to places where nobody else wants to go. It should be in the DNA of the church as followers. He takes us to places where we just didn't expect. You know, all the way through the Gospels, Jesus did it, didn't he? Right from the word go, he's having dinner with tax collectors like Zacchaeus and Matthew and people are all bent out of shape. What are you doing there? I can't do that. You know, he's having uh, drinks of water on uh, at wells in Samaria and the disciples are like, we shouldn't even be here, you know, let alone talking to a lady. It's like breaking all sorts of cultural boundaries and gender boundaries. But, but you know, as a result of that, not only does she, but the entire village come out and are like, no, no, you are the savior of the world. Jesus is, you know, if we become followers of Jesus, we're going to end up in places we didn't expect. You know, I love that moment. And we covered it in one of our daily devotions recently as we go through the book of Mark, where Jesus takes the disciples across the sea and, uh, and, and lands in, I think it's in Gennesaret. And, and there's a deranged man living amongst the dead in the tombs who's completely lost the plot. He's in a terribly oppressed manner. You know, everyone's afraid of him. They don't go near him. He's violent. You know, he's just, he's, he's oppressed by a demon it's just awful where do we find jesus there dealing with an internal storm that's causing all sorts of issues in that area that man is found sitting in his right mind free of the demonic oppression you see jesus takes people, takes his disciples to places like that and brings transformation. I was reading, uh, not just was reading, I was listening to somebody tell the story of the beginning of Teen Challenge, you know, one of our partners, David Wilkinson, you know, in the 1950s, this prim and proper preacher just has a real call of God to go to New York and, 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 and ends up with a real burden for these drug addicted gangs. And that's where we get the Nicky Cruz stories and the crossing the switchblade. And out of this one man following Jesus ends up serving and reaching a people group that nobody else wanted to even go near. They thought that they were not a menace 
to society and lots of them were doing horrible things. But you see, God's love propelled him to go out and, and to connect with them. When we follow Jesus, we end up in unusual places. That was Paul's story, wasn't it? You know, I can remember, um, I think it must have been the second trip I went to Sri Lanka. Uh, Stan, my brother-in-law, and a couple of others came with us. And we did this football camp on right on the edge of no man's land between the north and the south. And we ran this football camp with one of Leslie's churches and their young people. It was great fun. And at the end of the three days, I noticed there was a man stood in the corner observing us. So I was a little bit concerned, you know, uh, who, who, who this person was. And he'd been watching us for a day or two. So I went to see him and he said, listen, my boss wants to talk to you guys. Turns out his boss was the political advisor for the whole area. Um, and it was a Tamil Tiger area at the time. And so I went with him and uh, Stan was a bit worried. He came rushing along a bit later on. But they took us into a compound and these young soldiers with Kalashnikovs and masks on and all of that. And we took, took us into this office and I found myself having a conversation with somebody a, who, I, I don't know if the equivalent would have been Jerry Adams, you know, but, um, you know, the kind of political leader of a senior political leader of the Freedom movement they would say of the Tamil Tigers and uh, we got talking over a cup of tea it was pretty intimidating I'll tell you and it turns out this man was elapsed Catholic he had some Catholic background and then when we talked about that we're working with the local church he looked at us with tears in his eyes and wanted and asked us for prayer I mean Stan and I covered in sweat and mud in our footy kit he then just kneels down in front of us this guy I mean, we were like gobsmacked. Talk about God leading us into the most bizarre and unusual places. And Stan and I have got our hands on him, praying over him, praying in tongues, praying blessing and love and the grace of God upon this man. Sometimes you just think, what are we doing here? How did we end up here? Two Scottish white guys haven't a clue praying for this guy you see because God is at work in unusual places and in unusual places of power it seems that's what Paul's saying here as he concludes this letter he wants the world and he wants the Philippians to know that there is nobody beyond the grace and the love of Jesus I absolutely love it and you know you might be watching this today and you're thinking, nah, there's no way. I am, I've done stuff. I have done stuff. There's no way that God wants to know me. You may be thinking, or you may know somebody that often says, I'm beyond it. I'm beyond. Well, you're not beyond God. You're not beyond Jesus. Jesus embraces the broken, even the angry, the deranged, in pain but in that embrace there is forgiveness and surrender and a new beginning if Jesus can be at work in the very center of the Roman Empire seeing people in the household of Nero who is a brutal leader come to faith come to experience the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, then 
his love, his forgiveness and grace is available to you today. He died for you. He rose for you. And he says there's a new day for you. A new beginning. And maybe, why don't we just take a moment and maybe you'd just like to invite Jesus in. I believe that it's like he's getting off the boat and he's walking towards you today, just as he did that day with that man who was an absolute mess, living amongst the dead with absolutely no hope, no hope from family, no hope from society, and yet hope arrived in the person of Jesus. Jesus is arriving today and he's reaching out to you and he wants to speak to the darkness in our lives and command it to go and he wants to speak forgiveness over our hearts to give us a new start. Why don't you join with me? Maybe if you want, if that is you, maybe you want to just put your hands up and go, I need to surrender. I need rescuing. Why don't you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, I'm sorry that I haven't lived for you or with you. I've lived for myself. And today, I throw my hands up and surrender. I need rescuing. I ask for forgiveness for the sins and the mess. And I pray that you'd wipe it all away. Pray that you would restore my head and my heart. Pray that you would fill me with your spirit now. I pray for and thank you that there's a new day and that I can belong to the household of God. Amen. And maybe you prayed that prayer today. Well, I tell you what, we're rejoicing with you. We're applauding. You're now in partnership, in a sense, with us. And, uh, you know, there's a little red button. You might want to hit that little red button if you're watching it, just to say, hey, my hand's up, I'm in. And uh, maybe on the chat, just you want to declare that and say, hey, uh, I-, I want in. I-, I want to follow Jesus. And uh, our guys will touch base with you if, if you want. But maybe, you know, um, as I've been talking about missions and talking about going to places where other people don't want to go or, you know, unusual places, I just felt when I made, as I prepped this little talk, there'll be some people, some of us, that God is just fanning into flames again, a sense of going. And I don't know whether that's going next door to your neighbours or going across the world to another country, to another place. But I know this, we must be going and moving and following uh, the Jesus who gets off boats and sets people free who have been living amongst tombs and um, going to places that will take risks sometimes or crossing geographical, cultural, even sometimes religious or traditional boundaries because God's heart is for those young people, for those old people, for those people that just don't know him. Maybe that's you today. And maybe there's a country coming to mind. Maybe there's a situation coming to mind. And I feel like the Lord is saying to you, who's going to go? In the words of Isaiah, maybe we need to pray and just say quickly, God, I want to be available. Send me. So my prayer is now. 
If that's you, just say those words. Send me, Lord. I'm available. Amen. Wow. Well, guys, it's been an absolute privilege to chat and to kind of wrap up the Philippian stuff. And uh, yeah, it's been hopefully good and encouraging. What a way to land. Hey, what a way to finish a letter with that. There, there are people in the household of Caesar that have come to faith. Boom. Well, guys, have a great one. Back to you, Chuck and Taryn.